Welcome to another episode of Pagan Spirituality Today. It is April the 17th, a beautiful spring day in Virginia. With me again is Oni. Hello, everyone. And our friend Aaron. Hello. We were going to have a more specific topic today, but we are not really feeling that topic. So we're going to talk about a number of different things, have kind of a free-flowing show. We are going to begin with occult as entertainment or paranormal as entertainment in America. Before we get into that, I just wanted to say that I have a Twitter account that I don't actually remember the address to, but I'm sure if you look for Pagan Spirituality today, you're going to find it. I do not have the Facebook page anymore. Most of you know that, but I just wanted to point that out. You can find the show at a number of places. Podbean is where it is hosted iTunes is probably the most obvious place. If you find the show on another podcatcher, be it Stitcher or whatever it might be, do me a favor and let me know where you found it. Because honestly, I don't know where the show is broadcast anymore, other than iTunes and Podbean. My Twitter account, to be specific, is Kveldrida, K-V-E-L-D-R-I-D-A, at Kveldrida PST just in case you want to follow me there. The occult as entertainment. The one particular aspect of this that I want to talk about most is ghost shows. The quote-unquote ghost reality shows. Ghost adventures. Um, I think one is called Ghost Traveler or something. There's a lot of them. I really, really don't like them. I'll go into why, but I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on ghost reality shows. What do you think? I like it if... They were closer to actual reality versus, I'm going to use air quotes here, reality TV reality. And what do you mean by that? Where it was closer to how things actually go versus the ridiculous things that it gets into. You mean like the long, long, boring periods of nothingness that yes. is typical of a paranormal <laughs> investigation? Yes, exactly that. That makes for great entertainment. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> Look, it's like the ghost equivalent of golf. Exactly. If if you had to watch the players walk from each hole in real time instead of watching them just play the hole, that's exactly what it would look like. Now, obviously, nobody wants to watch that, right? But it's a different thing to say, we've arrived at 11 p.m., we've waited, you know, an hour, put on the screen, now it's 12. Ooh, the first little thing happened. Now it's 5 a.m., the second little thing happened. At least make the point that this is hours and hours and hours of footage that we compressed into 20 minutes. And I guess the other thing would be, there's the questionable research and the hearsay and the well it's theorized that well back in whatever date that so-and-so died here so of course whatever ghost is here is that person specifically when it could have been anyone that died in that building and god knows how many people would have died in it like folklorist fact yes where there's an old story that says the chambermaid died nobody bothers to look if there's any newspaper accounts or any historical record, everyone says the chambermaid's name was Fanny. We heard rattling upstairs. Therefore, it's yes. Fanny rattling in the upstairs chamber. Yeah, I totally agree. My favorite ghost hunting show is this one, though, where it's like three bros, like a weightlifting kind of bros, and they just go into these houses and they just yell at the ghosts and antagonize them to try and get them to show up. Is it the, oh, it's that one. Is it Cowlick's show? Where the I guy's know, hair looks not... like a cow licked his head. Yeah. At least that's what I think. And he's always just like, fight me, ghost. Yes, exactly. yes. That's we him. saw that. I think that's Ghost Adventures. I think that's the oh, one. Okay. No, no, no. I don't think it's 
Ghost Adventures. But I've only caught snippets, and I'm okay with that kind of ghost show because it's taking it to a point where it's almost like if you really believe this is sincere, then you're it's very absurdity. gullible. Yeah, the yeah. absurdity of this guy literally trying to fist fight a ghost. The, I'm down with that. The best one of that we happen to be watching, Catholic guy. I can't. I don't know his name. We don't watch the show really. He goes into this basement with the camera guy. He's like, I'm not scared of you, ghost. I'm not scared of you. How about you do something to the camera guy? I'm like, way to throw the camera guy under the bus. Right. He was immediately, like, trying to, what they call, escalate the situation. He's trying, like, the ghosts are not responding. Nothing's happening. So he's like, we're not afraid, man. We're not afraid. Why don't you do something to the camera guy? Why don't you hit him? And we started laughing, going, wait a minute. When did the camera guy become the stunt guy? When did he get volunteered? Yeah, if you're the tough guy, why are you telling him to beat up the camera <laughs> yeah. guy? I guess I guess maybe the idea is that then they would catch footage of it or something would happen to the camera. It's probably easier for them to fake something happening if it happens to the camera guy. But yeah. uh, but the idea of him being like, if you're so tough, hit that guy <laughs> is pretty good. The other thing is, when I haven't watched a lot of these shows, but a few times where I have, Particularly when they're trying to do some EVP stuff, uh-huh. they'll be like, wait, down in room two, we caught this amazing snippet. And then they um, broadcast a little piece of tape and they make it super loud. But in the background, it's going, like, how am I supposed to possibly hear your EVP <laughs> while you're blaring dramatic music at the same time? But they all do it. And then they type on the screen what they claim it says. Yeah. Which tricks your brain into thinking, I think maybe I did hear that. Yeah. I think my other favorite, I don't think they do it anymore, but the they used to do the one where they would just lock like, I don't know, 10 people in a, in a haunted house. And they'd be like, you have to stay in here until 6 in the morning or whatever. Like 10 people off the street kind of thing? Yeah. And they were, they were supposed to try and do research while they were in there. Uh, and it was basically, they would just psych themselves up to the point that any, like, a dust moat would fall in front of them, and they'd be like, and just start screaming, and so it was more entertaining just to see how, how, like, literally nothing would, like, scare them out of their minds. I remember it probably was the same show, or another show within that genre, and it was something like Hell House or something. It had one of these horror-type names, Mm -hmm. and they took these people to the Queen Mary. The ship that is docked in San Diego or wherever it is. And they gave them this long speech about how it's the most haunted vessel in all of history. But then they turned all the lights off and only had like little red lights for the corridors. And the people had to navigate the ship and go to different places. And it was like a haunted house you would pay for. I mean, Except people weren't jumping out, but it was the same thing. Like they would turn a corner and there'd be some weird thing hanging. They're like, ah! It was a Fox show that I recall. All of those scare me shows used to be Fox shows. Yeah, I think I think when it's stuff like that, I'm more willing to give it a pass because the entertainment's more in watching these people get spooked over like a mouse walking across their feet. Right. Uh, but I think the ones like Ghost Hunters where they try to be more legitimate, but they're still doing a lot of the same tired old tropes that don't really have any place being in any of this that mm-hmm. I'm kind of like... Now you're misinforming people and telling them this is what you do. And like, I don't think anyone watches the ones where they throw them in on a ship and say, get out alive as like true. But you know, the ones that try to say like, Oh, we do this and this and this, and we're very thorough. You know, I think maybe those pose more of a misinformation threat. And I mean, to some extent it might make somebody who actually does have a haunting problem feel like, Oh, this is just a joke. Like, if I bring this up to anyone, if something serious isn't happening in their household, because some of this stuff does happen, mm-hmm. they're like, oh man, maybe I'm nuts, and people are going to think I'm even more nuts than I actually am. I'm not sure that people necessarily would say, I don't want to tell anybody about this because of these ridiculous shows. I mean, that could definitely be the case, but I've also noticed 15 years ago, before all this paranormal entertainment stuff, If you said to someone, oh, yeah, I do ghost hunting or whatever, they would act like you're a crazy person if they knew at all what that was. People seem a lot more willing to at least discuss the idea 
even though what they think you're doing may look like this reality show and it's not at all what you're doing, they don't think the idea is so crazy anymore. People seem much more willing to talk about certain stuff within the paranormal now that it's mainstream. I suppose that's true. Like the um, that medium show with the lady with the big hair and the fake nails. Long Island medium. Yeah, her. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she, whether you believe in her or not, she's normalized the idea of mediumship for a lot of people, where it would not have been normalized or mainstreamed before. I wouldn't have to wonder, too, you know, like you said, authentic or not, she's probably also helped dispel the idea that all these people who talk to ghosts or whatever look and act a certain way. Except for three-inch fake nails (laughs) and white hair. Other than that, they can be normal. Yeah. But the idea that they're not, you know, all these creepy people that hide New Age stores or something, whatever people seem to think a medium would do, uh, you know, that she looks just like a very loud stay-at-home mom. But a normal-looking suburban person. Right. From Jersey. Yeah. Normal from Jersey. Yeah, she looks like she's from Jersey. She's probably from Long Island, though. I mean, really, truly. Yeah. Yeah. But... New Jersey, Long Island, right in that area. Yeah, she's definitely got that vibe going on. Like, I think back to the medium in the movie Poltergeist. Do you remember that? Yeah. She's a little four-foot-tall lady, and she's wearing the ridiculous flower dress. This house is clear. (laughs) I mean, that lady seemed weird and creepy. That portrayal of a paranormal person or problem solver is this little weirdo. Then you've got, her name is Teresa something. Teresa Caputo. Yeah, that lady. You've got her, and she's, like, loud, but normal, more or less. Someone mm-hmm. you might meet in a real place. Yeah, I suppose that's true. And then there's uh, James Von Prague, the guy yeah, uh-huh. who wears, like, khakis and a little sweater vest. Yep, the sweater vest guy. And then there's John there's Edwards, the... I think that's John Edwards, the one who does the mediumship stage shows. I thought Von Prague did the stage shows. I guess they both do, but... I've seen Edwards maybe more recently, but yeah, Von Prague is the sweater vest guy, and I think he has the little mustache, and he looks kind of like the Mr. Rogers of the mediumship yeah, world. which gives you, like, comforting thoughts, like, oh, there's dead people talking to me, but it's Right, okay. and his dead people are always positive. No matter who they are, they're like, your Aunt Susan wants you to know she's happy, and it's great, and they've just moved into a two-bedroom condo in Heaven Boca. Yes. You know? Like, there's nothing bad that ever happens with these guys. Nothing scary ever happens, which of course makes you wonder how legitimate is what they're saying, or are they saying the whole story? How can everything in the paranormal always be happy, always be nice, always be positive, or are they getting negative messages, but they don't pass them on because they don't want to upset people? I think that comes down to the, if I upset people, they're not going to pay me. Or they won't pay me again. Or they won't pay me again. Which I think is, is has been our complaint with tarot readers and people like that who do it for a living. I've read books by professional tarot readers. I've spoken to professional oracle folks. And they always say, never tell the client bad news. Or tell them in a way it doesn't sound like bad news. Because they won't come back if they hear something they don't like. And I'm thinking, if you're doing tarot as therapy, which a lot of people are, a lot of people are acting like a street-level therapist, yes, maybe you don't want to say bad things, but if you're really trying to push the idea that you're in touch with something that person is not in touch with, be it tarot or dead people, isn't it your job just to say the whole truth and nothing but the truth, not to change the message to the degree to make that person like you better or make the message more comfortable well i guess that's acceptable yeah well i guess that's where the difference between these things is entertainment versus a vital or normal part of your everyday life or something you do for a living comes into play because when it's for entertainment it has to be put at a certain angle and it has to go in a certain direction and someone's going to say you need to do a b and c for, you know, a TV show, whereas when you're doing it for real, you know, you're not going to pick and choose. Well, you shouldn't pick and choose. Yeah, you would think that you aren't going to, but if you're always thinking, where's my next reading come from? 
where's my next paranormal investigation that I make my living coming from? On the paranormal side, if you're trying to make a living and a person says, oh my God, my house is haunted, and you spend a whole night there and you do your job and you don't find a damn thing, better to say, yeah, there was totally a ghost, just like you said, upstairs, but we took care of it because the person feels like they got what they paid for. And right. if you're a reader and you tell them, oh, this good thing's going to happen and that good thing's going to happen, they leave happy, they pay you, they want to come back and pay you again. For me, don't get me wrong, I don't think it is wrong to be a reader for money at all. I think it is wrong to be a reader who ignores important parts of the message to make the client happy or downplays negative parts that that person might actually need to know about to get away from or to change the path that they're on just so that they will pay you again next time. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I feel like if you're going to be reading or doing, like, work with the dead for people, that it should be more balanced. Like, if there's good things, tell them that. If there's going to be other things, talk to them about, like, look, it looks like it's heading in this direction, but there are things that you can do to change that. It has to be whatever it is. Whatever you see has to be what you say. And you can say it perhaps in a way that's less threatening, but it still needs to be said. It, it, this is circling back to the paranormal shows, the quote-unquote reality shows of any kind. When you're adding sound effects in post-production and you're doing six days of filming, but you're condensing it into 30 minutes and you're pretending all this stuff happened at one time, as long as you're conception is this is an entertainment project there's nothing meant to be real in this but i've listened to lots of paranormal podcasts where these same entertainment actors go to ghost conventions and para conventions and show books and show ghost hunting kits and do signatures where they are not acting as reality stars they are acting as experts in their paranormal field mm -hmm. based on this show they do again you're making money it's your living it's but you're blurring the line you're acting as if they're the same thing i do a tv show therefore i'm a real expert although some of these folks were in the paranormal field before the tv shows most of them were but it's obvious that what they're doing in the show is different than what you would do in real life and the results are definitely different than what you would see in real life yeah and, and i mean to some extent and i'm gonna kick this back to like some other shows like when different uh sitcoms or dramas whatever you want to say like decide like oh let's have paganism be part of this show oh, or Lord. or satanism or santeria or any of those and then the people actually in those religions will get in a fluff and be like, that's not how it is. And I know that I do this. I know that I get upset. And then I have to remember that it's just a show. It's fictitious. And there is no real basis in reality other than the writers are like, oh, let's put this in here because it furthers the story or we think it might be cool. Yeah, I'm... I'm not as willing to buy the it's just entertainment, don't get upset about it because when that's literally the only way your religion is presented, a lot of people, I mean, the same people who say Harry Potter teaches children witchcraft are then going to watch doesn't? law. I'm not going to, I'm not going to state how many people probably did anyway look into witchcraft because of Harry Potter, but uh, those are the same people that watch Law and Order. And see the episode where the young girl was sacrificed on an altar. And even though they spend two seconds and two sentences going, Wicca is this. They then continue to show nothing but like mentally unstable people. Or like people who are like unhygienic or whatever. And even though they say this is a peaceful religion. But it's a murder scene. While there are abuses and problems that happen in the religion. I feel like that's the only representation that gets shown. So people who aren't going to take the time to do any research go, well... Uh, you know, it's, people are always, it's dangerous and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. unfortunately, some people do get informed by Law and Order or CSI or whatever show of the week is using 
Wicca or Santeria or what have you as their yeah, murder law, of the week. Law and Order, and I think one of the other Law and Orders used Santeria for some of their stuff. And what was one of the other shows I watched? They were talking about like hoodoo or voodoo or something like that along the lines and having like some sort of tie-in with that. See, I feel like as a rule, pagans get away best in media portrayal when it's just the goofy uh, hippie chick right? that is sort of new agey and scatterbrained because, first of all, there are pagans and new agers just like that. So at sure. least that's one realistic portrayal of a percentage of people within our religious umbrella. And it's the least offensive. Other than it makes us all look a little dippy and all a little, oh, look, she's wearing that flower dress again. And she's got that giant wand-sized crystal necklace again. Other than that, it's not harmful. We just look silly. And I can, I'm okay with looking silly if the choice is looking silly or being tied to some weird serial killer right. in murder shows. But I don't know. I guess the media portrayals have never bothered me that much because, and here again, folks, uh, Oni and I are going to tip our hand on one little issue. Oni and I are 637 years old, so we've been around before the word pagan in its modern, neo, modern-day pagan context existed, so we never expected society to, like, take us seriously. We never expected... To see a Wiccan on TV. Any kind of Wiccan. So I think we're more adjusted to the idea that we will never see an accurate representation. Because we never expected to see a representation. Where Erin is 16 and a half. And so for her life as She's a pagan. 12. For her life as a pagan. I'm just five years old. She's looking for that external legitimacy that you want when something has been in your life since you can remember. It, it wasn't something you converted to basically as an adult and understood where you were starting from. Well, I think it's also, it's not even that I'm mad about it. It's I'm tired. Yeah, I didn't say you were mad. I just said he didn't like it. It's, it's one of those things of like, it's even just become a lazy trope to mm -hmm. use. To where I'm just like, this is just lazy writing now. Yes, absolutely. And, but, you know, I've heard some Christians go, we don't appreciate how we're represented in this specific piece of media. And I'm like, well, try having literally every piece of media about yeah. you. If it's not mocking you and saying that your religion is false because it's not based with any kind of science and it's silly and goofy, then it's you're all mentally unstable and, un and dirty and everyone's a murderer in the making. Well, let's you know, be fair. That's largely true. <laughs> but it's just, it's it's more just tiresome than anything else. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and it's like, I don't have the energy to get angry about it. But then I go, oh, look, another show that uses an altar as a murder scene. How original. And it's just become like, come on, you know. But it's the same thing that Oni and I get into this discussion all the time about the... Um, changing of folklore like the vampire story that now they go out in the daytime and they sparkle or they can have babies or they don't have to eat blood they just do it when they need a little pick-me-up it's like or they can eat real food and not have and not right. have problems why and i'm like what's the point just why not make up a new creature if you're going to change the entire rules why not say this is uh a Beelzebubian and make up your own rules. Why do you take this concept, twist it completely out of the core from which it came, but then say, okay, now forget all that. And let's move on to the romance book I'm trying to write or whatever it is that you're doing. We get just as annoyed with that because it's tiresome. Right. You think I'm looking at vampire fiction. Oh, wait, it's subcategory 7B of vampire fiction. What are the rules on this again? And you have to go through the whole thing with each piece of fiction. It's like, is this lazy writing or is this creative that I'm you gonna... want to make something new, but you don't want to name it something I'm going to go new. with lazy. Well, the idea, though, that vampires have these certain rules 
you know, there's different types of vampires in different cultures that have different vampires that do different things. Like Chinese vampires are different from uh, Western European vampires right. from this or that. Like the concept of something that sucks blood and blah, blah, blah. And like hangs out Jeez, in the nighttime yeah. and is generally not something that's going, hey, let's go to the mall. Unless well, they're going out for lunch or something. That's why you dinner. need to watch What We Do in the Shadows, which is a it's, We have it recorded. It, we haven't watched so it yet. so good. We haven't recorded. Because they go back to a lot of the very old school stuff, but then they also kind of lovingly point at, isn't this a little bit silly? Mm-hmm. And, and, and kind of go, you know, they follow the rules, but then they give you a little elbow on the ribs and go, isn't it kind of goofy that, that we follow these rules? And, Do you remember the old Leslie Nielsen movie? I think it was called Dead and Loving It, where Leslie mm-hmm. Nielsen... It's I I think it's Mel Brooks and Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen is the vampire. Uh huh. It's and very, done very much like the Naked Gun. Yeah, movies. it's a Naked Gun airplane oh, okay. kind of style, and uh, I think it's Mel Brooks. But whoever it is 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 telling the apprentice to stake the vampire, and the vampire's in this coffin, and he stakes him, and this giant like fire hose of blood comes up and hits <laughs> the staker, and he's like. It's okay, keep going. And he stakes him and he's like, <laughs> and he does this like nine times till he's drenched in blood. And you see uh, the guy who's teaching him, I think it's Mel Brooks, totally dry and clean. And he says, you just need to know where to stand during a staking. And that was the only goofy paranormal or vampire movie I remember before, what, 1995, 1998? It's the first really... I'm making fun of this whole thing mm. movie that I can think of. Although there are lots of B movies that there are funny without of... intent. Right. They're they're not trying to be a comedy, it just ends up that way. Right, exactly. They're just poorly done in every conceivable way. Yeah. But this is like what you're talking about. It's the vampire mythos straight out of Dracula, but every bit of it is just ridiculous mm-hmm. and slapstick. One of the times he's changing back from a bat and he does it to uh, quickly, and he runs into a wall and falls to the ground. It's dumb stuff like that that's just fun. Uh, but going back on the ghost shows, I have to wonder how much of the way all of this is presented causes uh, some damage to the people who do this for a living. Uh, and, you know, when they show up and they're just themselves, they don't have a cool van full of high-tech gadgetry to come and, like, ghost bust the house and then they just kind of go and go okay shoo and get rid of that ghost if, if people think like they didn't actually do anything or right yeah yeah well actually um god probably eight nine years ago now oni and i haven't had that many chances to go to a house with poltergeist type activity mm-hmm. because it's fairly rare and people that have poltergeist activity which i find unbelievable that but it's true case after case that i've read about they don't want to tell anyone. Like, stuff is flying around the house, and they're like, shh, don't tell anybody. I would think you'd be running into the street going, there's stuff flying around my house, somebody do something. But apparently that is not the case. Well, I think people also get, I, I guess it would be kind of like a Stockholm Syndrome about it. Like, they just get used to it. And they're like, well, this is how it is. And if we say anything, it might make it worse. So let's not say anything. We don't want to piss off the... Whatever Entity and make it get even worse. And that happened to us. A friend of a friend had poltergeist activity in a townhouse, a condo, I can't remember, but it was a new construction. So literally brand new. So it wasn't something attached to the house, but there was constant footsteps, claims that things had been moved. They claimed to have seen things move. Rooms that were distinctly colder or warmer. Right, but at different times. Yeah, it wouldn't be consistent. So we talked to them on the phone because it was about an hour and a half drive to get there. Uh And we didn't ask them for any money, but we wanted to be really sure that there was something happening before we took a day and went up there. We spoke to them several times. We did a case file, so we went up there. And we talked to them for like an hour, just sitting around the living room, tell us again what happened... What, you know, what was the time of day that these things went on, whatever, trying to get them comfortable because they seemed kind of nervous and kind of like, we don't know you. So pretty early on, 
in this investigation, we see the apparent culprit, the spirit, hiding in the laundry room, just like peeking out. And I see it, and I tell her that I see it. And at some point, these guys, I think, thought we had proton packs in the car, and we were going to come back in and have some sort of fight with this thing. You right. know, we were going to have like a chant of go Ghostbusters or whatever it was. The power of Christ compels you. Something. Know? They thought something was going to happen. And eventually we looked at our watch and we said, well, we need to get be going soon. We're going to go take care of this now. And they're like, oh, great. Really? You know, and we tried the, okay, poltergeisty guy, you're a big tough guy and you like to throw stuff around. Would you throw some stuff around for us? We're here. We'd like to see it. And he's like giving us the finger, doesn't want to do anything. So eventually we just took care of it. In about 10 minutes, bada bing, bada boom, he's out. And those guys were like, when are you going to start? We said, we're done. It's over. What do you mean it's over? And it, it, on the ride home, it occurred to us, we didn't give them a show. Right. And they were really disappointed and... So disappointed that they were not willing to believe it hadn't gone away, even though a month later there had not been any activity of any kind. It was the longest period of broken activity, and yet they would not concede it was dealt with. Yeah. They kept saying, well, we'll see. We'll see. Nothing yet, but we'll see. And then it was still nothing yet from what we understand. Six months later that we heard was still nothing yet, but we'll see. <laughs> but I mean, I believe if I remember correctly, we went over this in our ghost show too. Yeah, we might have. I don't remember. That was so long ago. When did we do that? Oh. I think that was 1936. <laughs> it was right sure. before the war, I remember. Yeah, it's possible we went over it. But the point is the same as that people expect a certain something, a show, a bunch of tools, a bunch of gadgets. Speaking of gadgets, ladies and gentlemen, who said these things work? Where's the proof that any of these gadgets work at all? Oh, I thought you were about to go on your big tangent about, was I spear boxes or whatever they're called? That's one of the many ridiculous gadgets that exist. Or I the... have looked for the primary sources, the parapsychologist who said, if we use this particular kind of wave, we detect ghosts. There are no primary sources. Someone theorized this might work. We get it. Uh, a thermometer might record a cold spot. If those cold spots are physical manifestations as opposed to psychological, could the ghost make you feel cold without changing the temperature of the room? Maybe. Mm. I don't know. So if that's true, a real thermometer would not record that change. But certainly spirit boxes and the apps on cell phones, the random word <laughs> generator that's supposed to be spirits talking to you. There is zero evidence any of these things work. So why does everyone say you have to buy this ghost hunters kit for $250? The answer is because they're making money. Well, that's what they see on TV. So, you know, there's, I guess it would Oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Confirmation bias? Yeah, like confirmation bias or the, well, let's try this because technology clearly has the answer. Technology is the answer. Yeah. That's the thing I found when I went with that ghost hunting group to the Bird Theater. All of them had tons of gadgets. None of them had any idea what principle they allegedly worked on. They all just had belief that they would... If a ghost had materialized in front of their face, I believe every one of them would have said, it is not real unless my ghost gadgeties say it's real. Or there's a photo of it. Right. Or... After they took the picture, they'd believe it had been there. They won't trust their lying eyes when they have, quote unquote, science in their hands. I think that's more of it than anything else. Is I think... Um... In a desperate move to, quote-unquote, legitimize these types of activities, if there's no science involved, they don't think anyone's going to believe them or take them seriously. Right. So they want to have quantifiable numbers and data to go, look, no, I have this and this and this information that proves that there's a ghost. Instead of, 
Well, I mean, I saw that chair move 30 feet across the floor because anyone can say they saw that. Yep. So I think the need to go, we have A, B, and C verifying this activity makes people feel less like silly for believing in it. I think that's true. So. I think it's true, but I also think there's this terrible bleed over into religious thought, into magical thought that, well, if I can have gadgets to prove ghosts are real, maybe I can get some gadgets to prove the spells I'm doing are real, or I can get a gadget that can detect my conversations with God and then therefore they'll become real. Like at some point, I understand that the word belief seems loaded. There's no proof in belief, only proof to oneself. Mm -hmm. But a lot of things will only ever be proven to oneself. There's no way to objectively prove any of this stuff. Because let's say you had what appears to be a ton of great data on your gadgets. When you take that data to any physical scientist and say, here's my data, they'll say, None of those gadgets are proven to have done anything. Your data is completely irrelevant because but, there's no baseline to, to compare right. it to. There's no control. But to some extent, <laughs> the scientific theory of where something is only true if it's provable again and again and again is it's flawed. It's limited to things that can be measured in a controlled environment. Right. Absolutely. Science is not attempting to prove anything that cannot be repeated under the exact same circumstances, which is why science is not trying to prove love. Science is not trying to prove appreciation or many other things that cannot be measured in a controlled way. So mystery, all the topics that fall under paranormal or supernatural or belief as in religious belief, those things remain outside of what science can deal with because science does not currently have the proper tools. Mm -hmm. Well, and I guess to some extent, in a way, it to me, it seems like science is trying to remove the mystery of things. And I understand that to some extent. But there's also the, okay, I understand that the moon is a planet, but that doesn't change how freaking awesome it is to, like, look at it and, like, just... See, like, look, here's this big, huge thing, like, way out there. We know gravitational pull and all these other things, but just because you know those things does not change the magic of it. Uh, I think to that end, too, with the whole, like, all these things being on TV all the time, you know, we've heard that, like, when paranormal movies come out, especially exorcism movies, like, you know, the original Exorcist, and I think, was there's Exorcism of Emily Rose or whatever that came there's out. There's a lot of them now. yeah. Uh, you know, you hear from Catholic churches that suddenly they're getting more phone calls from people saying, oh, my child or significant other or whomever is possessed and needs an exorcism. Or I'm sure when these ghost hunting shows became really popular, more and more people were going, oh, my house is haunted. No, I've got ghosts. And, and so on and so forth. And that begs the question, were those things happening before and no one would talk about it? Mm -hmm. Or did the entertainment get people to think, hey, wouldn't it be interesting or fun or scary, because people really like to be scared, if these things were happening safely, to me? I would say safely scared. Right, controlled scared. Because there's that tipping point of where they're like, this is kind of cool to be scared, and then there's the, oh, no, it's not. This is not funny anymore. <laughs> right, so that begs the question, like, do the does this form of entertainment spark a genuine interest on people's part to explore things, which I think we're saying that it does, but also it sparks an interest in bringing scary things to life in a controlled or manageable way. Well, another thing that Oni brought up earlier today was the whole ghost tour idea. Like, mm -hmm. that okay. wasn't such a big thing until Ghost TV became such a big thing. Now there's haunted tours in like every city and some of them are so bad. You know, you'll go by a house and they're like, someone once stubbed their toe in this house and now there's a ghost because 
they don't have a lot of folklore, but they've got to stitch something together right. for twelve ninety five for the tour. Yeah, we have well, a few of them here. Yeah, like Colonial Williamsburg does a ghost tour, and I think we went on that one for uh-huh. Richmond, and we went on was it the ghost tour for Seattle? Mm-hmm. To be fair, Richmond has some genuinely creepy stuff here, like that train that's still underground. Yeah, in the so, collapsed tunnel. Yeah, that that's a that's a pretty eerie thing hanging around here but it's definitely been interesting to see and some of it i guess because i am a young child who has not been around very long to me yes sit on our feet child (laughs) there's these things have kind of almost always existed to my awareness of them right uh so probably from the 90s on now maybe in the 90s it hung a little lower because of all the more negative associations but probably still out there yeah but like the early aughts and forward when we started getting like these ghost hunter shows and everything, I feel like that was just a given to exist as well. Mm-hmm. These tours and you know lock-ins and houses. Like I think uh, you could get locked into Alcatraz overnight and stuff like that. And I'm not sure you can now because not anymore because the think. place is about to fall into the sea. But yeah. for some period of time, I think you could. Well, and I and I think for some places that there there probably is, if not ghosts, there there's definitely. Um, like negative energies or vibes or however, however you want to put it. Right, something's going on. Yeah, and, and that your people may pick up something, whether it's just because there's the suggestion of it, like "ooh, this is going to be a scary place," or the actuality of it. I think a lot of the change in attitude culturally has to do with. The word superstition or the concept of superstition having some of the sting taken out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, 1970s, 1980s, you talked about paranormal things and people were like, oh, this is the 20th century. We are modern men. How can you believe in these archaic, dark age, nonsense things when I don't really think belief in ghosts has changed much throughout history? When you meet people, a lot of times people will say, no, I don't believe in ghosts. When Pew Research goes out and does a survey, 70% of people say they believe in ghosts year after year after year. So I think the belief might be much more stable, but it is societal acceptance that fluctuates. Yeah. And maybe these shows bring more acceptance to the general populace, to the mainstream, whether they're putting a pseudo-scientific bent on it or it's okay to be a weirdo pagan in a fluffy cape, you know, and just people might snicker at you. But it it changes the conversation more than it changes the core beliefs of people. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I wonder about. I'd be interested to know, because with all these ghost tours and everything where they go, oh, there's a ghost here. Um, do you think it's... A little bit mean to parade these alleged, you know, say that there are really spirits there in this place and they've been trapped there for so long. Do you think it's maybe a little bit mean that they're kind of being put on display and no, we and, uh, we do kind of touted about actually almost like circus freaks in a way. Like, look at the ghost of this slime that was buried here alive. You know? Yeah, I, I totally get it. Like, this is something probably Oni and I should not admit publicly but we had talked years ago about taking ghost tours all over the place Mm -hmm. and then going back later and freeing all the ghosts (laughs) on the tour because those tours would go on whether the ghosts existed or not they're folklore tours but the idea that there is some remnant of a soul or a complete soul trapped somewhere If you think about it as that used to be a person, someone used to love this person and be involved with that person, it's horribly cruel to take their imprisonment as entertainment. Right. It's more to do the... Exactly. Yeah. Or the let's go because not necessarily a... But like how good of a tour guide and a story am I going to get for my six, twelve bucks, whatever. That's the other thing is it's, it's like... A folklore tour. So you get to know a little history of your town, although it's always folklore. Very rarely do they check into any of the details. It's 
In 18-something, there was a lady named Mary. Well, you really dug down on the details <laughs> of that one. Well, I think that would de- probably depend on the city and the town. Yeah, on the few that we've been on. The details have been scant at best. Yeah, I mean, like, we have, even here in Richmond, we have the, the Hollywood Cemetery vampire pool. And we did not know about this. Oh, you didn't? We have a vampire! Um, Wait a minute, we have a what? <laughs> it's So it's a it's a grave in the Hollywood Cemetery, okay. and it's the last name is Poole. And okay. uh, the folklore is that a vampire lives in there. The real story is... Then we do know the real story. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a, that I, I think it was the train that we were just talking about when the tunnel collapsed. He was one of the people inside, like a worker or something. Uh, a bunch because the the vampire story is the vampire came running out. And he was covered in blood and he had all fangs and he went running through the town until he went to Hollywood Cemetery and now he lives in that. And grave. then he dug himself a lovely grave and moved in. No, it was some. It was already someone else's, but he lives there now. I see. Uh, Was he subletting? (laughs) Yeah, he rents. Whereas, the real story is it was a worker who got trapped under a bunch of rubble, came out, was just covered in his own blood, Mm -hmm. uh, and his teeth had broken or something. A few of his teeth were broken, so they looked a little jagged, and in shock, he screamed and ran. Um, And he went a very long distance. Yeah. I don't know if he actually made it all the way to the cemetery, um, but so and it's now... it's unlikely he signed a sublet on the <laughs> right. grave when he got there. But now, that grave is popularly known as, like, the vampire. It's That's where he lives. Or, like, there's a cast iron dog in the cemetery and say... We've seen the dog. When, it, when it's nighttime, it comes alive and it chases away any intruders, especially from that small child's grave where everyone puts the little toys and yeah. stuff for her. That kind of stuff I definitely don't mind. Mm-hmm. Where it's just, like... Some people say they've heard right. the dog bark, you know, but <laughs> but yeah, I think the ones where it's like, this white woman, her husband died and she never left, that seems a little tragic to then tout a bunch of people through her home and go, right. look at her, you know. There she is, still sad after 200 years. And we're not going to do anything about it. And from one point of view, if you were to talk to the tour operator mm-hmm. and say, hey, can I get this ghost out of here? And they'd be like, hey, hey, dude, get off of my cash cow, right? Right. Ooh. So obviously, there's no reason why they or the tourist would have any reason to want to clear up those persons if they're there. Yeah. But you must find in your own mind that ghosts are not human and that you cannot connect them to a human for you to think that they're suffering is supposed to be someone's entertainment. Right. Or that that's Obviously, just a thing that they do. Right. And it's, you can't do anything about it. It's something else. It's not a person. A ghost is no longer a person. Or else, then again, there are some really horrible people in the world who want to see the suffering of living people as entertainment. Yeah. But that's not the majority, I don't think, of people. I just think it's hard to consider something paranormal as having feelings. And maybe they don't. But I wouldn't assume that. I don't know. Right. Maybe they do. I think it comes down to people would view it as something like outside of their sphere or outside of their knowing. It's something separate from them. And where they don't really have any connection to it, what do they care? Right. I mean, what if the ghost was your Aunt Harriet and you knew Aunt Harriet in life? You would probably feel differently about parading people through Aunt Harriet's room than if it was some generic Mary who lived in the 1800s that doesn't seem connected to anything real. Mm -hmm. It's um, selective caring about stuff. Like you said, it's hard to personally be concerned about starving kids in Africa Unless you see them on TV. Right? You know there's starving kids in Africa. You don't have to oh. sit down and think about it. Everybody knows that. There are starving kids everywhere. Right. right. And it's hard to, to focus on that because they're not your kids. They're not sitting right in front of you. They're not in the street or whatever. So I guess that makes sense emotionally to say, well, it's hard to empathize with people you don't know. It's even harder to empathize with someone dead you don't know. Maybe we're the weirdos for empathizing with them. And maybe it depends on what your opinion of what a ghost even is. Yeah. Because I've heard some people say, oh, it's like a, a 
a part of something that's just stuck in time and it repeats or like whatever. an echo or recording. Yeah. There are some things that are like that, but there are also ones where it's self-aware. Self-aware. Mm-hmm. Right. There seems to be a large variety of spiritual paranormal things between uh, a pure repeat in time and a, a sentient thing, an inter- interactable thing. At least that's our experience, is that there's a wide variety of things. And I guess maybe Oni and I are a little different than the average Joe because we're a little less empathetic to human beings in general and maybe more empathetic to things in the paranormal world. But I don't remember ever deciding to be that way. I just remember being that way. I think we were both more tuned into that level throughout our lives. Maybe it's a product of being somewhat introspective. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I was thinking about, aside from ghosts and stuff, I was thinking about how for a while in the early 90s there was the section of paganism where some people thought they were fairies or descendants of That fairies. didn't go away. No, that's still there. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the rise in it. Yes. Uh-huh. Like the becoming more aware of it. And from... What I understand, there's also a segment of people who consider themselves to be vampires now. Yes, because that's was, not a new thing. Well, you say I, now; it's about well, fifteen years old. I was old thinking at this about point. how it was actually in like a, I want to say, a Law and Order or one of those drama Probably. shows. Yes, yeah. Yet another and, thing to yeah. When they're running dry on regular old horrific <laughs> murders, they gotta go and find like what are all the weirdos up to now, and and pull from that pool. Yeah. So if it's not us, it's like the what probably the BDSM community right. or or what weird subculture of horrificness. Yeah, like what <laughs> subculture can we mine for some weird extreme thing? Like I'm pretty sure I've seen furries on CSI. You know, yeah. we saw a furry on Highway to Hell, a Canadian truck driving show <laughs> where they pull the trucks out of the ditches and uh-huh. stuff. It's a towing show. It's about recovering wrecks of tractor trailers, uh-huh. like big heavy duty wreckers. And Oni and I having been truck drivers for a long time, that's interesting. I've always wondered, it's fascinating. how do they do that? Yeah. But in the middle of the night on this one show, they had there was like a wreck with a bunch of cars and the camera guy is just like filming, I guess it would be considered B-stock or whatever, stuff that yeah. they would be roll. Yeah, B-roll, whatever. And this person in a giraffe suit, not like a mascot suit or a anything. Full giraffe suit. Goes walking over to their car. It was a lady in and, her early 20s. Maybe. And gets stuff out and then goes walking back the other way. I'm like... Did I just see a giraffe and they, walk by? And the giraffe gets into the tow truck or the flagger truck with one of the recovery guys to because their car isn't working and yeah. it's super, super cold. And so you see the recovery guy on camera outside of the truck going, this lady, she's wearing a giraffe suit. <laughs> I don't know why, but I let her get in the truck because she's freezing. She has nothing else on. She has no coat. Right. She has a giraffe suit and it's like minus 10. Why are you wearing your fursuit in the car? Anyway, but yeah, so uh, they always seem to find some easy-to-misunderstand subculture or group of people who 90% of the time are totally harmless and fine and everyday folks, and then turn them into the, you know, the murder of the week and, like, what creepy thing can we find that we can put in our show and and kind of give a bad rap to. Well, I think on the vampire one I saw that the vampire people weren't actually the part of the problem. No, but they were. They yeah, fell under suspicion. Somehow. Yeah, they were under suspicion right. for it. But of course, it turned out they had nothing to do with it. They were just sort of weird. Yeah, because they're like, we make sure that everybody is like blood positive or tested. Yeah, like blood. HIV negative. Yeah. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, because they weren't actually sharing gone. blood with each other. Yeah. They were using a needle to put blood in a vial uh-huh. and drink each other's blood. Yeah, which you know is a thing, but it's not my thing. Whatever floats your boat. Chase your bliss. I think they call, amongst pagans, they call folks who believe themselves to be part human, part something else, other kin. Yeah. That's the large umbrella term for part fairy, part werewolf, part giraffe, part whatever. Oh, okay. Troll, something. And again, like, I'm not against people who think that. I don't know that I entirely understand it, other Mm -hmm. than to think that it's 
a bit of a flight of fantasy. I don't really like my life. I don't really like human culture as it is. I wish I was part of something else. But you're not hurting anybody. You're not... Nah. You're not... For the most part, they're not hurting. Right, unless you're part serial killer. Like, <laughs> that's that's your other kin. My but... other half is... Uh, near, uh, was it Charles Manson? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, unless... I don't think I've ever heard of that. Unless that's your part of other kin. Yeah. Or you're a vampire who bites unwilling people in the street. Right, you're not getting consent from people. You're just going around that's chewing just, on necks. That's just rude. That is rude. <laughs> it is. You should at least be polite and get and talk to your meal before you have a snack. Ask first. Well, anyway, I think we're pretty talked out on our paranormal in the uh, mainstream, paranormal as entertainment, at least for today. We just wanted to have a little round-robin discussion, kind of share some thoughts. We're not trying to push anything on you per se. This is just how we feel about it, what we like, what we don't like. We are very interested in getting emails and comments from you guys. We'd like to know what you think about the different stuff that we talk about. If you disagree with what we're saying, if you like what we're saying, it helps me be motivated to do the show. It gives us some sense of where you're all at, uh, however many lovely followers there are out there. I think the other thing is I enjoy hearing feedback from other pagans because there are so many different kinds of pagans out there and different interest levels and into people are into different things. And I'm curious to see like what people's thoughts are. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about our opinions, but there could be somebody who's got a completely different angle or a different side to it that we haven't even considered, and it would be really interesting or enlightening to hear what what uh, what they have to say about it, and maybe cover something that we didn't even consider or think about. Right, and there are as many opinions as there are people, and it would be cool if we could share more stuff between us, the three of us, we know people, but it's not like we know hundreds and hundreds of people. We have not been on the festival circuit in years. We're not uh, on online pagan groups. So it's not like we can take the pulse of American paganism or the temperature of American paganism. And by the way, we have listeners outside the United States as well. I don't mean to leave you out. But we would like to know what's going on with you and what you guys think. And if you have topic ideas... Topic ideas can be one of the hardest things to come up with show to show. So if you sent in a list of three or four or 34, we will tick down the list of those that we're interested in. In the meantime, though, we want to thank you for having joined us today. We hope you enjoyed our little sit down, our little chat. Again, you can email me at paganspiritualitytoday at gmail. Pagan, spirituality, today, all as one word, at gmail. You can send comments to podbean.com. Please send a review or a rating or both at iTunes. The more ratings and reviews the show gets, the higher up in the pagan category the show will be. It comes up earlier in a search box. More people will find the show that way. You'll be doing us a big favor. The hit numbers, the download numbers, are really high lately, and that's great. In closing, it was an interesting talk, and, and I had fun. And take care, everyone. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll find some other interesting kind of topic that's not necessarily 100% pagan to talk about that we can give our opinions on. I'd like to do it again. So we'll be back sometime, hopefully within a month. This is me, Caveldrida, Oni, and Aaron signing off. Peace and blessings to all of you. Ça va s'appeler